this special previously recorded episode of Tech Talk Talk a Tuesday, you'll have to take a seat and listen to some electric bike talk. You'll see what I mean in a little bit. Live from Pahrump, this is your favorite motorcycle and motorcycle product related show. But uh, tonight on our uh, early episode, mm-hmm. it's not really not tonight, it's still daylight outside, which is kind of strange for Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. We're going to talk about you and your body, I think. So with us, we have a special guest for Tech Talk Taco Tuesday episode number. Should I avoid giving the episode number because this could go up at any time? Well, we're we're broadcasting now, so. We're broadcasting. So it's episode number 173. So this might come in in between like 178 and 179. You know how we did like show 50.5 or whatever? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this. So uh, we have Lendon Smith, who uh, is more famous for making awesome, super comfortable seats than uh, anybody else I know. But he started a Facebook group. And what did you call it, Lyndon? Um, it's uh, Moto Fitness for Old Guys. Yeah. Old Guys, guys Moto, Fitness. There you go. Moto Fitness, right. Yeah. So that's the way I do. I start a show, and I can't even remember the name of my show sometimes. <laughs> so it's only two days old feel, for me, so it hasn't sunk in yet. So Don't feel bad. So I saw this. It came up, and I'm like, how do they know? You know, this is this is the weird thing about Facebook. How did Facebook know that I wanted to be part of this group? Or did I just did did you just know this notice that I was out of shape and you sent me an invite? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both. I did send you an invite though. Oh yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. So you so so evidently the last time I you saw me, I was eating donuts and drinking Coca-Cola, walking around your shop getting a tour, right? Yeah. Or did you or did you hand me a beer? Because that would have been a lot easier. It's the PBRs we were sharing at the at that um one rally we were at. Right. <laughs> so we uh yeah, so I I saw this pop up, this this group pop up, and I'm like, I wonder I literally go, I wonder what this is gonna be. Because I've seen these groups kind of, you know, just uh jump and and grow. And it was a day old and it had 400 and something people in it. And I'm like, wow, that means there's a lot of us guys that are at least out of shape enough to want to pay attention <laughs> to, to see uh, what's going on. Me and me included. Right. And then, and then, and then I noticed quickly, there's a lot of guys that are in really good shape that have some, I I think really good advice. And the only reason I say really good advice is because it's worked for them. Yeah. And, and so this, I, I think there's going to be a journey, uh, through this, through this group that you have. So what, what caused the, uh, what, what prompted the, let's make a group. <laughs> well, um, my personal journey started, uh, about two years ago. I, I got my left knee replaced and, um, you know, that, that leads to a lot of sitting around some physical therapy, but that's not exercise, you know, but make a long story short, I ballooned up to like 305 pounds and, uh, you know, you don't see very many old six foot four, 305 pound guys walking around, you know? And, uh, so I just decided I got to do something about it. And, um, I set a goal. I was going to start racing again and use, you know, that was going to be my carrot to, to get my ass off the couch and, you know, get motivated and go work out. So 
Um, I started just uh, watching my diet. I went, I didn't go full keto, but I went like a, on a low carb style diet and I lost 40 pounds pretty easily like that. And uh, followed that up. I would just walk around the neighborhood a lot and uh, bicycling. And then I found a gym. It's just in my own neighborhood. It's for, it's for 50, 50 year old people. So I joined that and, uh, and then, then things really started happening. So I, at one point I was down 80 pounds and uh, I've gained a little bit of that back, but a lot of that's muscle now, which I used to not have any. <laughs> so, so that's another benefit there. Um, but the reason I started the group is because I was looking online and, you know, you're always interested if, am I doing the right thing? Or, you know, maybe there's somebody out there that knows more than I do because I really don't know much. I just do what I'm told. And, uh, and there was no groups. There was a few groups on Facebook for fitness, but it's all, it, it's mostly bodybuilder guys. And I, you know, I joined a few of those and I would ask questions and, you know, Oh, just lift more, bro. You know, that was their, that was their answer for everything. So, <laughs> so did, did you, did you have a trainer? And I mean, when you, when you had your knee replaced, did you get a trainer or did, did, did you just go to physical therapy and then just keep going after that? Well, it's no, it's just uh physical therapy. All they do is just, move your leg and make you do basic stuff. You basically learn how to walk again, you know, that type of thing. And uh, so, no, I found a, there's a gym in my town and there's a train there. There's a, it's a, it's all one-on-one with a trainer and he specializes in uh, over 50. And the name of the gym is called 50 plus fitness. It's in, and it's in Nampa, Idaho. So I started going to see Jeremy. Um, I usually see him, on average three days a week. Cause my schedule is like, I'm always traveling on Fridays and Mondays and stuff like that. So, but I get, I go on there at least three days a week, sometimes four. And, uh, but it, no, he, he's a wealth of knowledge, but he's not a moto guy either. You know, he's, he's just your, um, we basically do hit workouts, which is high intensity, uh, training. And it, it's, it's nice and all, but it's still not moto specific. And he, you know, we talk all the time and he, he wants to learn about moto stuff too, you know, cause uh, he's, he's just like me and realize there's, there's a lot of old guys riding moto. So I think we can all, we can all learn something from this, you know? Yeah. And, and so in, in this group, you know, getting the invite for this group and look at it and I quickly, I did a kind of a scroll through and reconnected, saw some old, like, like we're talking some old friends that I've haven't seen for a while. I'm like, Oh, this person, this person's kind of interesting. Cause these are, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen like Ron Dillon was, was one of them. Right. And he had a couple of real classic photos in there, you know, him with Bob Hanna and yeah. stuff. And you you think about, but I'm going through there and a lot of the, a lot of the people that I was seeing in the group are, are, you know, they're, they're definitely, there's some that are extremely fit and, or they have really good stories, but you think about it. I, I mean, I don't feel like, well, I, I do feel, I, I do feel, but I don't feel old. You know, I, I don't think I act old or somehow yeah. I feel like I'm 18, but then my body kind of reminds me every once in a while I'm over 50. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I can see, you know, and it, it is in having, I didn't have to go through a knee replacement. My wife just had double knee replacement. And so I'm watching her in her late forties, you know, go through the, go through the knee thing and, and, you know, with the rehab and, you know, and it's, it's amazing what medical stuff is able to do to allow us to do. And it's pretty, uh, pretty cool that way. Yeah. No, it's, um, 
they can get you fixed up, but the next step is all on you, you know? Um, and, the, and another thing, since I've been working out on a steady basis, I actually gained more mobility with my knee than I got from the physical therapy guy. Like I got another 10 degrees more, more movement out of it just since I've been working out. So that was, a, so, that was a plus plus. So when, in, in, um, so we all have, you know, as I jokingly said, I said, yeah, you can come on the show and plug C concepts. And speaking of that, this show would not be, would not be possible at the help of awesome companies like C concepts. We have the C concepts hot seat hotline, which we are now transitioning over to a zoom call. So if someone wants to join into the show, they can, they can zoom in and uh, I won't be mean to them. I always promise this, but see what happens. Uh, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, uh, there's a link in there that you can, uh, click on and we'll we'll screen you a little bit matt over here who who creates all the technical problems yeah if you have uh, audio issues you're uh, you're gonna probably just get clipped yeah so so yeah because because at least we could with the phone we could kind of tune it up but uh back to the sponsors so yamaha taco moto scott sports climb ddc was our first sponsor um delaney drive components came in very early trail tech fast company seat concepts I did a really good thing today, Lyndon. I took two seat concept seats off the used market. I had I have this guy who comes by the house and he's always has parts to sell. He's he's an older guy that has a lot of bikes and a lot of parts. And he came over with a he has a Sprinter van or a, a Ford van. He, he had two really nice like a night twenty twenty version KTM seat that was the not the comfort seat. It was like it was a lower comfort seat yeah. and then a. And then he had like a 2017 tall comfort seat. And basically he wanted a tall comfort seat for his 23. <laughs> and so he, anyways, he sold all this, I bought a whole bunch of stuff off him. So I bought two, I bought, well, I bought a whole bunch of stuff off him because he had all kinds of parts, but uh, you know, just uh, taking stuff off the used market. So people have to buy the new stuff. And by the way, that Tenere seat is super awesome. Like <laughs> foam density, I, I finally had to do about a hundred, hundred and fifty miles just straight on the on the freeway without getting off and just hauling ass. And that's the worst that's the worst riding ever for me. Right. But but and I was talking about my butt here, but I didn't I didn't have to I wouldn't didn't have to move and shift around like I usually do. So a good job on that Great. one. Uh by the way, that's the uh single seat, the solo seat, rally style seat, tall comfort. Everybody should have one. Yeah, that's. I think that's for that bike. That's the most. That's the most popular. Um, you know, uh, I always tell everybody if you're, even if you are a little bit on the short side, you got to try that seat because it fix it fixes a lot of the ergos. I think for the bike too. You know, I I actually yeah I've I've lowered my foot pegs down and back just a little bit so in conjunction like that taller seat really helps. It just makes it so you're not so cramped up on the yeah. bike and but for. And I don't sit down much when I ride, but when I have to sit down, that makes it really nice. And then I don't fall into this pocket. So good job on that. Of course, there's Bulletproof Designs and Double Take Mirrors, all sponsors of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Of course, I'm brought to you by JimmyLewisOffRoad.com. Learn to ride. Right, Matt? Yep. Learn to ride online. Yeah, we Those can... uh, online courses still going on. I also have my online boot camp where you can get lifetime access to those learn to ride videos as well as a month's worth of Zoom lessons with me. Okay. That's it. That's the best deal on the internet right now today. It's mm -hmm. good. So speaking of, so all this fitness goes in, 
How much better is the riding? Because I think that's the question everybody wants to know. Well, um, it helps. It's not the cure all though. Nothing, nothing replaces riding because he, you know, if you go to the gym for two weeks, but you haven't ridden in 10 weeks, guess what? The, the first, the first few minutes on a bike, you're going to be rusty as hell, you know? And, uh, and also it's not the same. You're not under the same pressure. You're not, uh, you know, it's not the, the nerves working on you. It's not, you know, there's a whole lot of things that when that, when the when the starting gun goes off and the race starts, man, your heart goes to you know one eighty and stays there, you know, and uh, you can't really duplicate that in the gym. I mean, you just can't. And um, but it helps. It definitely helps. Um, but it's still not uh, nothing's going to replace riding. I mean, if if your if your goal is fitness is one thing. If your goal is to improve your riding, riding is what's going to improve the riding. You know, the the fitness right. will help you ride longer but it ain't going to improve your riding, you know? Do, do you, I mean, I don't know how quickly you were able to like drop the weight, but did you, did you feel the weight drop when, you know, cause that's the one thing I really noticed when I go up 10 pounds or down 10 pounds. I noticed this. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, you, you know, it's the obvious things like your clothes don't fit anymore, that type of thing. But <laughs> man, my energy, like I used to, I used to dread coming home and working on a bike or doing anything. Cause I just didn't have the energy. Um, now it's like, I'm looking for stuff to do around the house all the time. So it's, it's a, it's a life changer for stuff like that, but it just really, and it improves your mood, man. Like the, like if something goes wrong and I was supposed to go to the gym and I couldn't it, it, like, I'm jacked up after that because you need those, you need those en endorphins or whatever from that workout, you know, and it, it really improves your mood as well. That's yeah, I, I can, I can, I can see that. I mean, I know I, I remember from the, from literally the first, one of the first times I met you to like, I, when I think I saw you this summer, I was like, I go, wow, you know, it's a notice, noticeable change. And, but just then also just, uh, excitement levels up a little bit, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, which, which is, which is kind of cool. But I, you know, when we're talking about like the riding and I, I joke, well, kind of rolling back to when, when you say that you need to be practicing riding or you need to be riding a lot, that's, that's for sure. I, you don't lose, like I, we call it the base mileage. Like, believe it or not, I used to be really, really fit um, when I was racing and, and I didn't do it I, always the orthodox way, but, you know, I went all the way up to doing running a hundred mile foot race, you know, so an ultra marathon. Wow. And it, that took four years of training to get to that point to where I was able to do it and succeed. And they, they call that training, you know, like base mileage and there's no way you can, there's no way you can really, you know, you can't, I mean, there's, there's certain people who can just hop on and do anything. They can hop on a motorcycle and operate at a pretty high level or, or, you know, jump on a skateboard and do this. But I think that you're, you're it'd be very few people who just say, I'm going to go run a hundred miles and do it because that wears you out and runs you down to, to kind of the, like this thing, but with the, the base mileage and we call it in, in riding, you know, you just hop back on and you get it. Cause you know how to operate the controls. You're pretty good. But, but I think when you start talking about like losing that edge, that's sort of a higher level rider that, you know, what it's like to operate in, you know, kind of the zone, right. the peak zone. And with, 
with, uh, you know, kind of back to the, the running long distances, you know, and, ha- and half the time when you're running those races, well, at least me, I was just trying to finish them. I wasn't really racing them. You know, you, you feel it just in your stride, you know, how you're, you know, when you're running versus when you're walking, yeah. you know, whether it's uphill or downhill, you can feel the slightest incline and you go, Hey, I can't go anaerobic here. I've got to kind of keep it down because this is going to burn me out. So yeah. I, I, I don't think people think about a lot of that stuff when they're, when they're riding, but then, then they, then they want the instant answer. Like, how do I cure arm pump? Uh, how do I not get, how do I not be really sore after, you know, riding my two motos or doing my two hour Grand Prix or whatever it is. I don't know if there's, (laughs) I don't think there's an instant fix. And this is what this group I think will help answer. Yeah. It's, it's all takes, it all takes dedication and hard work, but if you're sore after a, a Grand Prix, you know, like a big six Grand Prix, the only thing that's not going to get, it's going to get you over that plateau is to do more of them. <laughs> you know, it's the bottom line. Um, like when I was doing all the vintage motocross we discussed earlier, I got to where I would try to ride as many classes as I could, because even though you might not be super competitive in all of them, but the more you rode, the more the next race you could tell the difference, you know, big time. Um, and it's just time on the bike um, really hones in those. If you're going for those extra 2%, you know, the extra two tenths, uh, you know, if you're riding, but if you, if you're just, if you're, uh, you know, like a, the average guy is like, Hey, I'm going to jump on my adventure bike and ride up, ride up to McCall this weekend through the mountains. Um you know, going to the gym and working out, that's going to make that ride a lot more pleasurable. Um, you know, I, I've been riding with guys just sitting up when they go to stand up and sit down, they get winded after a few miles, you know, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know? well, as, as in, in my selfish interest here of, of running a, you know, being someone that runs an off-road riding school, I can tell you why, you know, what they're doing to, to cause this. But when I work with higher level guys and, and, you know, doing training, they're wearing heart rate monitors yeah. because if, like you say, when they, when they go and they spike, there's a certain amount of, of intensity and stuff that racing just brings yeah. that it's hard to simulate in, in practice and training. But I want these guys to be riding as fast as they can at low heart rates and, and, and riding in a, in a relaxed yeah. state so that they're, so that they're comfortable. And, and everybody's, well, why would, why is that? Well, because then they can still kick it up a notch because there's a certain amount you you know you you want the guy to be riding at ninety percent that's as fast as everybody else's hundred percent, and then when they if if they try to go crazy, yeah. there's the ability to kind of still bring it up, and then really, and when you're riding like that, you're aware of a lot more stuff around you. You know you 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 can feel what the bike's doing. You you you're paying attention to your body. You know you notice, hey, why is my heart rate up? And and, and that's what I always ask him. Is like, well, why are you doing this? Why is your heart rate up? Like, what's causing it? And you start thinking about it. And so when, and we talked about this, we were talking earlier today, like if I go out and ride and I get a workout from riding, like I actually ride um, hard enough to, to, to kind of get that anaerobic, you know, really um, stress myself. The potential for crashing is kind of, yeah, kind of high. And so, so, because I ride in a very relaxed state and like adventure riding, I could ride, Till I fall asleep on an adventure bike and probably not get uh, t- muscular tired. Certain things will get sore, you know, d- 
depending on what my uh, what my current uh, problem is, whether it's my wrist or you know my shoulder or elbow or whatever little thing I'm dealing with there. So you know, and I think, and then this is this is the other thing I'm hoping that this group starts you know going to answer is what little uh, I don't know how to put it, like what little tricks do they have for some of these yeah. these things? I, I I use vitamin I. That's uh, ibuprofen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we all, I think all anybody over 50 probably has that in their daily diet at this point, you know? Oh, I don't, I don't do it daily. I, I, I try to stay away from it because I know it's hard on the digestive stuff. And I have, I've had older friends, you know, much older than me that were like really using it. Like they get out of bed and they go pound some vitamin I and it did, it did horrible things for their insides. But I, I'm, I'm, Cause that stuff is, it works crazy for me. I mean, it's, it's almost too good is, is the way I like to put it, but I don't use it that much. Well, like when you talk about the adventure riding, what happens for me on that is oftentimes I get mentally tired though. Like, you know, you've been in the saddle for eight hours and your brain's been processing all that data coming at you. You know, you can get meant, I can get meant, I can go into like a fog and I'm like, man, I gotta pull over and, Huh. take a take a nap or something um maybe maybe all of my uh all of my rally training and stuff. <laughs> yeah it's the same same thing like it, it, it's so funny because when you're if you go you know like rally for instance you're doing so much mental stuff yeah like you can ride places you've ridden before and it's a whole new experience it's it it kind of it kind of changes it it changes everything so just to just to go riding and exploring without having to 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 do the task of navigation uh makes that pretty easy so i guess i i'm just i ride i've too much motorcycles like if we start talking about like if i wanted to do higher level mountain bike stuff then i would probably just feel pain from the the, the 15th pedal stroke yeah. well, so a, that's why i ride an electric bike i have a little i have a, i have a guy i'm helping uh, i've known him since he's a kid he's a kid from florida i mean he's 23 now I met him when he's six <laughs> and he's, uh, he rides, he's made it always riding XC2 and GNCC stuff. And, uh, he's actually going to see a sports medicine doctor and they've determined he has, um, a, a problem processing all the information during a race and they have him doing all these mental exercises. And I, I looked at them and they're pretty crazy. Like you have to arrange all these things in a certain amount of time. Um, that was one of the exercises, but, but he goes and sees this guy like three, three times a month. And, um, he says it's making a big improvement for him because he was so did, the same thing. And, you know, GNCC is three hours of hardcore racing. So, um, you know, halfway through that, you know, he was having trouble concentrating and, um, this, this guy's helping him with that. So. Interesting. I, it's, I, I, I mean, I can see that you can see, and I mean, you can see it in just in different racers that they have certain problems. They'll have like, no matter what, if it's super cross, they're going to have this mid race, you know, fade where it's like for two or three laps, they're just not there. And then they snap back to it. Yeah. Uh, stuff like this. I know with rally guys, the guys that I really work with that there's is whether it's, it's eating, you know, it's eating at a certain time or making sure that they drink, you know, eating at a fuel stop or, making sure they, they, they do hydration and, and different things. Um, I've been riding with guys where just, you could set a clock on when they bonked 
you know, it was so for some guys it was forty five minutes, other guys it was two hours, you know, some guys three hours. And you just remember it's like, oh, this guy, if we don't stop and we go more than two hours, it, he's gonna have a meltdown. And yeah. and and mental or physical or what it was usually a combination of both. It's uh it's that kind of stuff. And I was my my MO was like I was like a camel. I I I just I just had to eat a whole bunch. Uh in the morning, like, or, you know, breakfast or, or the night before for dinner. And then, and that's why this, uh, this fasting thing that some, some of the guys have talked about yeah. on the Inter- intermittent on the, fasting uh, in the group, intermittent fasting. This is no problem for me. I, I think I just do it naturally. I just like, when I come to the trough, I just eat and then, and drink. And then I'm, and then I'm good. Cause <laughs> I, was, I, was I was doing like, that without even knowing I was doing it. Cause I'll, we'll eat dinner on six, six thirty, you know, and, Sometimes I won't eat breakfast and then I won't, I won't eat anything till after I go to the gym at noon. And then, yeah, so I was actually doing that without even realizing it, you know? So it's, yeah, the whole, the whole no breakfast kick was never anything for me because I I didn't, my stomach wasn't really, I don't think it was always too happy before, you know, if I ate and then went to, went to ride or whatever. So I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily do that unless I kind of had to, I knew I had to. So like skipping breakfast and just starting, kind of starting at lunch, eating dinner and then shutting down. Although I tend to just push everything farther and farther and and then, then I'm eating at night, you know, so which is, Uh they say is not good to, yeah, not good to eat at night. I've heard the sound drop a couple of times, but yeah, I've lost, I've lost you, Jimmy. All yeah. signs are good on our end. Right. There we go. Your, your internet's, yeah, they, well, they, they, we have aliens out here and they fly around and they jam the <laughs> signal. We're down here, we're down here in Pahrump. They, they know I'm giving out good advice. So they're starting to clip my, clip my stuff. But yeah, there's all, and, and I don't think it's a one size fit all, fits all program. And I, I went like, even last year I did this, uh, I did this gut biome test where they biome where they checked all my guts and my shit and all the, all the things and they then they analyze how you process food and then they give you special vitamins you know with your name on them and and it 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 what was weird with me i didn't notice anything better i didn't notice anything worse yeah and so i'm like did it work i i don't know well i <laughs> i my my buddy, this the uh, it's Jesse Ansley. So I'm talking about. He uh, he actually got a blood test, and off of that blood test, they determine his diet now as well, like how to eat um, before a race, after a race, all that. And they they tested how his body processes the food he's eating, so they developed a diet off of that for him. So wow, this yeah, this stuff I can go. It's crazy how involved it can get if you you know, and then this. The stuff I've been doing, man, like I said, I don't really, I'm just tip of the iceberg. You know, that's the reason I started this group is I, I will, I want to hear all this stuff, you know, and try to learn from it and, and then put together, gleam information off everybody and see what works, work would work for me or work for you or work for anybody from that. Yeah. And, and f- full disclosure, you're not starting a gym. No, no, <laughs> not, not, not like six, six months now. And we're not going to have a subscription service where it's like <laughs> Linden's moto vitamins. Right. No. I, Cause I want, I, no, I, I want to do that now. No, yeah. no. I, I'm, I'm adverse to making money. So just don't get any ideas from me. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> there's one thing I, this one thing I don't need is a whole nother something to try to manage. I tell you that. All right. 
rough and tough enough just what going on we got going so so derek payment has a question he All asks right. what do the top level guys do these days to get ready for king of the motos and my answer derek is uh, i have no idea <laughs> i i uh when I when I was putting on the race, they didn't they didn't know whether they were coming or going. They didn't uh, the, the 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 thing about when I put on the extreme enduros is I just wanted the guy who was the most versatile, most well rounded, best all around rider that could uh, that could adapt to situations because you know just figure it out would be the guy that would the guy would win. So I wouldn't tell them exactly you know course they they wouldn't know until like the day before. So it wasn't like something they could like train up for, but as you watch with almost any, you know, super high level athletes, um, they know that, you know, they, they, everything's getting so specialized. They know exactly what to do. And, you know, when now you you hear about like super cross guys that are, that are adjusting their sleep habits in order to be, you know, get their, their cycle working for the times when they're racing, uh, you have, you know, like you have, guys that they simulate everything they do in their practicing. In other words, they're trying to practice harder than they compete so that the competitions actually become easy. So, but I think that the top level guys are, they've all got their diets figured out. Um, You know, they're, they've got strength training and doing strength and balance training. That was kind of unheard of back in, back in my day. I just, I ran, I rode and I rode a mountain bike is, was kind of thing I did. I did very little strength training because when I did it, I started, you know, kind of bulking up and getting arm pumper. Like I would, I would work on some muscles and it would cause other muscles to, I, I don't know. I just remember doing some, some kind of upper body strength stuff. And then all of a sudden I started having back problems and, and then I was doing some lower body stru- stuff. And, and so I wasn't doing core now what I know looking back, I wasn't doing stuff to strengthen my core. I strengthened my extremities and my core suffered because yeah. you, you got to realize you're a, you're a system, you know, you're an intertwined system. So I, I think what, whatever, <laughs> I tell you what, whatever the top guys are doing at any of these levels, they're doing it right. Well, I, so that's the thing is that everything starts from your core. Um, when I started at the, at the gym, you know, we, that was one of the first thing we did and God was I veal. You don't realize, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but at both, most all exercises originate in the core and work out from there. You know, so even if you're doing upper body stuff, your core has to stabilize your lower body, you know? And um, if that's, if that's weak, man, you're going to struggle for sure. I, and it's actually doing all this and doing it correctly. That's the big thing is doing all the exercises correctly I actually went from having, you know, the typical old guy backs a little sore once in a while to now it doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. So we've actually improved that, you know? Yeah. And it's, that seems like totally backwards from the way when, when I was younger in my twenties, you know, it was all your strength in your arms and your legs and they forgot about the core. Now it's kind of built from the inside. In fact, when I had my, my knee surgery, uh, the large part of the recovery was Pilates. And I'm thinking Pilates. I'm thinking, you know, uh, the 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 ladies in the in the skin tight <laughs> stuff, and you know, the, like uh, j- jazzercise. That's what it was. Like jazzercise was kind of. I didn't know what Pilates was, and all of a sudden I'm on this table with these ropes, and I'm kind of pulling like my body weight with ropes, and and uh, and and then and so to that we have the core. But the other thing I think, especially for guys our age, is stretching. Yeah, is 
is pretty, pretty huge. And I, somehow I've known this and I've always kind of been a stretch. I mean, I ran track when I was in, in uh, high school and they, they were always like stretching, stretching was really important. And, and it, I, so I always did it cause I knew it made a difference. And even I have the thing that hangs you upside down in my other room here. So I, I, every once in a while, when it's, if I feel compressed, I hang upside down a little bit. I don't, people think I sleep like that. And I watch TV like that because <laughs> I'm a little bit weird. Um, but I also have the, the handholds for rock climbing in, inside the house here. And so I, a lot of times I'll just walk up and just depending on, like I said, disclosure, I'm as I'm in probably the worst fitness of my entire life. Currently I blame COVID because it's easy. Right. <laughs> but you know, I, I used to, I used to, anytime I'd walk through the door to go between from the office into the house, I would walk and I'd have to do like three pull-ups. And I tell you what, like after your 15th or 20th pull-up, you quit going to the refrigerator because you uh, can't, <laughs> you know, and now, now I'm, now I'm probably down to like one or two pull-ups. That's how pathetic I am. Uh, so, but I, now I'll just go up there and I'll reach up and grab it and just stretch, just kind of hang on it yeah. for a couple of minutes. And you, you wouldn't think how, you know, and, and I was having, you know, I, cause I, right now my, my nagging injury is golf elbow, uh, not tennis elbow, but golf elbow. Yeah. So the one on the inside. And so I have to, that it helps a ton with that. Just doing some, some stretching and articulation with, uh, with doing that. So and the, and the cups of ice rubbing all over it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just, I just have frozen water bottles. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, I just take a frozen water bottle and same thing, rub, rub, rub it on there. And, and then I have a, a friend who's into the, uh, what are they, homeopathic stuff or they'll give me whether it's like castor oil or, or, um, there's some horse medicine yeah. that, uh, that I've been, that I've uh, been using on some certain things, uh, <laughs> the, the veterinary stuff. <laughs> Um, and it's not my vet my veterinary friend like just says that's really stupid but i can see how it would work <laughs> yeah so we have i have some friends that are horse people and they gave me this salve they put on like a you know, horse legs and all when they get something like that man it stinks is high it, oven, but it works like it, you can it really works is yeah. it big is it big biggle oil it's a it's a white cream and a little tin huh okay yeah this is yeah, this is actually a clear oil, and and then and then you hear about the other stuff. What's the other stuff that they? Oh, they, it's a thing that helps it penetrate into the skin. There's all kinds of crazy stuff that you know. Most of it's banned, <laughs> but I'm not getting drug tested at the at the at the races anymore, so I don't have to pass the the test. I'm just trying to trying to keep this unit at a high level of function. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sean Elliott would like to know: Did you ever push your bike around a track for training? Um, I think he's asking. <laughs> Only one is broken, and you got to get back to the pits. <laughs> yeah, talk to the vintage guy about that. That was probably more common than yeah. we thought. Well, I, I never did that than, for training. That happened more than he wanted it to. Vintage racing, for sure. You know. Yeah, yeah. The uh, and he says ride a unicycle for your core. I could see that. That's a high level of balance, but that would definitely um, do some core strengthening for sure here, here's the thing that if you the more you strengthen your core though the better your balance gets i i yeah. i for me it's been crazy because i used to i could barely walk and chew bubble gum at the same time <laughs> and uh 
it, now I can stand on one leg and, and, uh, you know, put a sock on, on the other leg and not topple over. <laughs> and that's, that was right. For me. <laughs> one of the, in, in we teach in our class, our riding class, it's, it's the, 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 the things, the, the most important thing is balance. It's balance and traction. Everything that, Anything that goes right or wrong is centered around those two things, which it's not rocket science. It's and the more balance you have, technically, the more traction you have. Or if you at least understand the balance, then you'll understand the traction. They kind of go, they very much go hand in hand. And I just watch people when they just go to get on their motorcycle. I can already tell yeah. to, to a certain point how good of a rider that person is. And, and if it's a, if someone is like known as being, oh, he's faster or something. And I watch how out of balance they are when they're just sitting still, for instance, just how they get on the bike and how they do things. I can, I go, well, that person could be a much better rider if they would just focus on the balance. And again, it comes down to, you know, core strength and different, different stuff. <laughs> yeah. Lots of times, uh, fast guys use momentum to mask that as well you know the old right and i i used to tell people all the time like the reason that 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 guy or myself or someone can go faster than you is because we can go slower than you yeah and it's the same you know when you're going really slow and you just feel like you're going to tip over yeah well when i start riding really fast i have that same sensation except it's not called a tip over it's called a wipeout yeah so so and and if you if you if you are just riding with momentum a lot of times you never get the sensation of wipeout it just happens <laughs> so it's a it's a thing so steve your uh steve shibit she she how do i say she big shy big says are you going to the boise vintage races uh, me yeah oh yeah i go every year so yeah i'm building it what is your 84 cr 500 for this year hopefully i'll get it done so 84 okay those 82s were horrible right uh no 81s were horrible 80 81s that was that scoop front yeah. plate thing 82s were decent 83s were great and then everybody thinks the 84 is horrible too but i i raced one back in 84 and i i won a hair scramble championship on one so i mean i thought it was a great bike um right so but uh, you know the the pages of you know people's memories always skewed. That you know all Jody Weisel, all he has to do is, is say something bad about one thing, and that's stamp it. It's history. <laughs> you know. So, does 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 Jody like your seats? Uh yeah, I yeah, um, I we've sent him. Uh, you know, he doesn't do the comfort thing, but they've used. We've sent him a bunch of our like race stuff for him to try, and they, yeah, he's you like, know I. In all honesty, I hate to say it, but because you know, I've seen Jody ride on on many, many occasions, especially I used to go to Carlsbad and race Saturday motocross and used to go to Paris and race SMX, you know, so I knew where the motocross action wrecking crew was all the way from when I was a little kid at Saddleback Park. So I've been around for a while. As Jody got a little bit older, and I'm going to say just when we left Carlsbad, that, that era of his riding, because he raced every weekend, every Saturday. He he's a comfort seat guy. He probably doesn't even know it, especially the ones with the little ribs. Yeah, because <laughs> he's got that spot on the seat figured out. Yeah, 
they, they, I think now they call them like gull wings, you know, like where that comfort seat starts opening up. So it kind of catches you a little bit, Yeah. but uh, you know, the racers would never sit on a comfort seat, but I think if you just change the exactly the same seat, just call it the racer gull wing seat. Well, <laughs> so I, I think to clarify your statement there, though, I think it's the, the guys that ride the vet classes, you'd be surprised how many comfort seats are on race bikes at the, especially at the off-road events. It's crazy. Yeah. Right. But I, and I, and I, and I don't think it's for the sitting down reason. I think it's for the, you know, like when you, when you're gripping the bike and by gripping the bike, I mean, you're, you're about ready to fall off yeah. it and you need to hang on as much as you can. So if you're gripping the bike with your legs and you start going backwards and you bump into that comfort section of the yeah. seat, it catches you. Yeah. Or if you plop your ass down on that comfort section of the seat, it catches you. Yeah. It really, it really does. So uh, take it from somebody who uses it all the time. I have, I have a, a Husaberg 570. <laughs> I, have, I have some buddies that um, all the, their favorite thing in the world is to go out to Jawbone Canyon and do, do all those hill climbs. And yep. one of those guys got a tall comfort seat on his bike. And he, 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 he must have wrote me a text that was 2,000 characters long and tell me how it's the best thing, it's the best thing ever because he discovered you just could wait one side of that wing or the other to control the bike going up the hill. At least that was his theory. Anyway, he loved it, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, I never thought of it that way, but I guess it may, maybe it's true. You know, it makes sense. I, I was so, I, you know, cause coming from a racing background and stuff, when I saw that and in, in, in the old days and, and granted, when you looked at the, the, what was it? Saddleman that made those when they really, when they started doing the dual sport ones that like literally had a butt cup, yeah you, you know, almost like the, almost like the back of a cruiser seat. That was the original thing. It wasn't like starting to get formed and shaped. So it wasn't interfering with your, with your riding, but I was like kind of anti those. And so I, I kind of carried that, that uh, I'd say um, bias until I actually tried it. And it's like, Hey, this, this, a it's comfortable if I'm sitting down and B it actually kind of catches me when I'm, you know, when I'm going back, it, it reminds me that, Hey, you're a little too far back here, buddy. Get yourself forward. Uh, really, really helps out. And then, yeah. So I'm, <laughs> so another thing you learn from being an old guy, you get <laughs> smarter with your, uh, with your bike setup. Yeah. So, okay. So you're gonna, so we're going to have this, uh, old guys moto fitness. And it's like I say, it's currently a private group and how would, how would, um, you, you, you can, you can, other guys in the group can invite their friends, yeah. correct? Yes. And we also, get, uh, I, I'm getting, a, I don't know, 10 or 15 people a day wanting to join. And I just approve, you know, approve it if they're, if they're not a friend of a friend, that type of thing. So right. it keeps growing, then, you know, may have to, I wasn't expecting it to like just take off like this. So, you know, totally totally uh like what the hell i get myself into now but anyhow i mean you have to you might have to moderate a little yeah. bit and uh yeah. yeah clip some people yeah be that guy yeah have to bring out the band ha band hammer and all that stuff but uh yeah the uh but i'll probably have to con a couple of my buddies and helping me you know, like police <laughs> you know is uh yeah i was at the races all weekend and not much internet out there so it's hard to like if something does go wrong, you know, like they, you know, but hopefully that being private and we're all mature older guys. Yeah. Right. That maybe it should stay pretty civil, but who knows, you know, I've seen, I mean, whether it's forms or, or Facebook threads and things like this, I've seen it. It's, it's like 
they're really good in the beginning. You know, it's like yeah. you, you, cause you're attracted to like, that's good information. And then, and I don't know whether it's like, you know, people either that are in there gain a little bit of confidence to say yeah. what they want to say. And then, you know, it's like, whether it's, it just goes political or religious or I'm going to share this stupid thing and it might not be that stupid, but the stupidness kind of grows. And then from in my world, I just, sometimes I just don't have the bandwidth to follow a, a lot of this, yeah. a lot of this stuff. And the, so the one other group that uh, I, I kind of participate in a little bit is this uh, it's like a, what is it? The KTM EXC and XCW performance group. Is so that what it's it is? Yeah. FE slash EXC performance group. Right. So it's I'm in that taco group, Mike. So. Yeah. So it's one that Taco Mike does where yeah. he, you know, he he's kind of basically that has really helped launch his business. And, he, you know, he he he's been really good at moderating it and stuff. And the one thing I kind of always kind of point back at, because I by the time I see something, generally there's 40 comments and I guess it's already been answered. So I don't really bother. But every once in a while, I kind of want to see how how the question gets answered, like how it travels. And I tell people in the group, and maybe this is something that we can kind of establish, you can establish right. with this group is when you get your answer or, or somebody, somebody uh, gives you the, the thing that like really succeeds. Like if you post a question, Hey, I'm doing this man, put the answer back into your question. Yeah. Like take it, like, did this work or say, Hey, I tried what so-and-so said and what so-and-so said, and neither of those things worked. Did somebody have another yeah. thing or, Hey, thanks you know, Tom, this was the best thing ever. I can't believe how well it worked. And that, that saves, I think it, it just, it, it thins out the traffic. The, the guy who says uh, on every, on every post, check your ground cable. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's the number one problem with every single issue. It's like, check your ground cable. It's like, he was asking about what tire to use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's also a lot of, um, uh, know-it-alls too, you know, and uh, a lot, a lot yeah. of guys in those kind of groups, you know, they're very, you know, when when you're very close personal friends with somebody, you can be sarcastic and whatever, but when you do it to people who don't even know, just that doesn't come over right to me, you, you know. Uh, yeah, and and the good, well, the good thing about Facebook is it's generally attached to your name, you know. Uh -huh. It's kind of, and 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 being in a group where you're kind of approving, you know, people that you can kind of keep it and. And uh, I've, 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 we have, we have a bunch of viewers on our show that, you know, they come in and they're, they're smart asses and stuff and they get banned from Facebook left and right. And it, but it, it's like, it adds to some of the comedy with it, yeah. but at the same time, there's people that are really smart and, and, and they, even when I start going down a, uh, you know, a, a wrong path, they'll come in and they'll just, you know, fix it, straighten it right out. So, yeah. or I can reach out to them and they fix it. And it's like, cause I'm. I, I try to come across as the smartest guy in the room, but it's far from the truth. <laughs> I just, I, I listen a lot more than it's I th actually, Matt, is this true? Do I, do I listen more than I talk? Uh, depends on the subject. <laughs> like at the writing school, you're the one talking. Well, I'm, I'm a good, I, this is, this, what do I tell you? There's one thing I know how to do motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And people are paying to listen to you talk. Right. Yeah. Doing a, doing a show on the internet. Oh, you're supposed to talk then too. Okay. So if you, if you I, ever, I, guess I, I guess you talk when you're supposed to. You guys ever do a, a school on how to ride a tight Florida single track and bone dry sugar sand? I, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first one to sign up. 
<laughs> it's 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 the you know I only teach one class. We have a beginner <laughs> class that, but I only teach one class that that really focuses on these four things that a motorcycle does and the two tenets the balance and traction, uh-huh. and that helps that helps no matter where you're riding. Anytime you're riding on a, we'll call it a low traction situation. So pretty much everything other than pavement. Yeah. And, and when you start allowing yourself to be able to pinpoint every problem you have, like as far as the sugar sand, it, it, it's all balance. It's 100% balance is, you know, not being hyper aware of it. And then, and then as you get better with that, then you're better at anticipating what's going to happen because when the minute you tighten up on a motorcycle, the, the Matt's trying to fix, he's broke something already today. This is good. Um, the minute you tighten up on a motorcycle, it quits talking to you. It's like you're choking it. Yeah. And so it doesn't, it doesn't allow you to feel this. And if, if I always say, say people go, there's no way all these guys, they're hanging on tight and stuff like that. Not all the time. And they, they, they're constantly, the only reason they're hanging on tight is to, to loose, to be able to loosen back up, to get themselves into a position to, to essentially, we'll call it like they're, they're using the gripping or the regripping of the motorcycle or they're, they're gripping the motorcycle in order to regrip or yeah. reposition themselves in a balanced, in a balanced place. And the, the problem with sand, as you think about it, is you've got all these kind of forces that are acting on the motorcycle where it's never really, it's never connected to the ground. And it's always maybe a little bit out of line. And so that's where like momentum really helps, but sometimes you need traction too. And right. like, where, where is that traction in that dry sugar sand? We have, we have blow sand out here and it's the worst for us out here is when it rains, like it's been raining. And then we, you know, we build it, we have turn tracks out there and, and they, they end up with big, wet, loamy, bitching sand terms, you know, like yeah. when it's, when it's wet and then the wind blows. And then that dry blow sand blows into the ruts and they, and they harden up and then they like, they almost cement. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad time. Cause it's like riding through muddy water. You can't see what's underneath. Yeah. It. And if you're not, I mean, you can muscle your way around that, but you'll get tired very, very quick. So, um, that's the, uh, that's the, but it, it, it all, I, the, the stuff we teach, I hopefully, I, I only want to have to teach it once and then you can kind of go back and, and apply all of it to, you know, what you're doing. Then you realize, Oh, I'm out of balance. I'm out of balance. How do I fix this? Right. And generally it's pay attention to it. So Steve, your buddy, Steve wants to know, are you eating carbs or sugars? Um, so I'm still, um, no. So I eat like a keto bread. Um, the only raw sugar that I eat is in my coffee in the morning. I, I can't kick that. I've tried everything else and it just tastes nasty. So, <laughs> so, but every, outside of that, no, it's, it's just a lot of meat, vegetables, and I'll have the occasional Hershey's kiss, kiss or something just to, just to, um, you know, satisfy the, the urge, but I try to avoid even anything with added sugar in it. So, like I've really gotten addicted to these, these sparkling ices because they have no sugar and they're carbonated. So it's like cheating. It's like I'm drinking a soda, but I'm not, you know? Yeah. Um, so no, I try to avoid just processed sugar as, as much as possible. Um, and I honestly think it, I, I do out of everything else that helps make you feel, oh yeah. Um, your, your, your buddy Jimmy wants to know if you're still liking the, uh, the, 
the uh, good tequila. Oh yeah. Look, is 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 there is there? I can um, see my bar over there. There's several. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, is there uh, is there sugar in this? I think there is. Yeah, this is bad. For, this is, but you're allowed to cheat a little bit, right? Old guys, we can cheat. Yeah, I, I, I've cut way down <laughs> on that too because I realized um, if you don't drink and then and for a couple weeks and then you do drink, man, you can feel the effects. At least I do. Um, yeah, I, I I haven't I haven't gotten there yet. I mean, like we're. Like I just stop for no reason and start for no reason, and I don't seem to notice it yet. But I, everybody says, "Oh, just wait a year or two. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm waiting. I'm I'm gonna enjoy my year or two. My problem. <laughs> when, my problem with that is one leads to two, two leads to four, and four is at eight before you know it. You know. Uh, yeah. So, I I'm I don't I don't have that so much. I mean, sometimes when I just you know when the roller coaster just goes off the thing, it's on the tracks and running, but. It's, it's like, I don't really like, I don't like the feeling of being super drunk. So never really have, but I, you know, enjoy a, enjoy a nice tequila and I don't mind having a couple of beers now and again. So, yeah. um, but yeah, good, good, good times. I, I, I'm, I might give this stuff up. You never know. No, that's, that stuff right there is the, <laughs> that's the, the ultimate tequila. You can't give that up. I mean, that's, that's the first tequila oh, we, I've ever yeah, had. You I want to show them the other one? I'm going to grab the other one off the shelf, Matt. <laughs> well, we'll bring in, we'll bring in, I think there's some left still, even though my buddy George keeps telling me that he's uh, poured it all out and replaced it with Kirkland. Uh, <laughs> well, if you, uh, the Kirkland stuff, man, I swear to God that that's Patron in those bottles because it tastes the same. It's, it's actually, uh, it's actually a Jose Cuervo. Um, it's, I'm pretty sure it's a Jose Black. Cuervo. <laughs> Look at this one. See, it's in it's it's in its own little chalice here. So this this one's really pricey. I I have I have friends that have more money than common sense, and they want to you know give me a gift. So this this helped a guy uh, get through his trip up to Alaska on an adventure bike with a, wow. with a single phone call. So yeah, that's a yeah that one's special. That's about a fifteen hundred dollar bottle of tequila right there. Uh yeah more than that. Oh yeah, more than that. And I think it was I think it was 18 when we when we got it. It might have been around 18 or something like that. So, yeah. Wow. Got to have got to have those kind of friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would I would have never had an opportunity to drink that. Now at the now you know, that's one of the ones the Tequila Club, I can check that box. That's uh, quite an expensive little box to check. So, uh, thanks Jeremy. That's <laughs> what I always say. So, anyhow, Will Lennon, thanks a whole bunch for uh Starting that group, number one. Thanks for uh, coming on. Uh, uh, thanks for the support of the show and uh, for making great seats as well. Okay. Um, yeah, and, man. Uh, I, I hope it. I hope it goes somewhere, and I hope we have a lot of fun with it because um, I, I think it could help a lot of folks, including <laughs> including myself. Um, and uh, I would, you know, I welcome anybody to come on and you know, let's talk and let's let's hear what you're doing and let's let's trade stories, you know. Yeah, I'll I'll be on there advertising the Jimbo program. That's that's my that's my training. It's been my training program forever. And like I said, you know, we have perks that a lot of the other training programs. You don't know. No, I don't. Ba I don't think Alden Baker has one of these in uh, in his shop or office. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this goes. But uh, 
uh, yeah, thanks again for uh, for coming on. And okay. uh, I'm going to, for sure, I'm going to be in there poking around. I see a lot of other, uh, you know, super smart guys. And like I said, some of those guys in there, these guys are, I know they put the miles on the, on the mountain bikes and the road bikes. And some of them had really good success with racing. And I think collectively, uh, I think we'll all stand to learn something. Right. So, uh, well, cool. So good on you. Um, well, appreciate that. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, if I could give a, a little shameless plug here at the end. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just want everybody to know on the 23 and 20, uh, 23 KTM and Husky stuff, man, we're well in the development. We, we only have a few things left to do, but um, they're actually, I can't believe how many people must have bought these new bikes because these seats are like in the top, in our top five sellers already. Really? Yeah. <laughs> or, or did, or did KTM make that bad of a seat? Well, I think it's a, it's a I think it's a combination of both, but um, honestly, man, we're, we've made that transition to where, you know, first thing, people do is they get a pipe or you know fmf pipe or something like that for their bike and we've kind of turned that corner too and you know people like well i can't wait to get my seat now so it's like you know yeah it's it's a like a must a must have kind of we've made the made the turn and now we're a must have so it's like uh you know i i I, it's it's best place in the world to be you know so Hey, well, and, and another thing is, d- don't forget to mention you have that new 3D modeling stuff you guys are doing there. Yeah, to be able to get the shapes, and I, I got to tour the tour the factory over the summer, and was kind of a kind of amazed at you know I'm like wow all this for seats, and it was <laughs> it was pretty cool. Oh. The the seat bait the the bolt on the complete seats. Uh-huh. I mean, you look at the price and you go like this, but once you have that thing and it's just so nice. Sometimes the bases are even better than the stock ones. Um, so a lot of a lot of cool stuff. Well, I always tell people this: you'll go buy, you'll pay six hundred bucks for a pipe, right? Why not spend half that for a seat that gives you a lot more in return? I, I personally, yeah, you know. So um, I'm I'm a I'm a big big fan of them. Uh, you know, especially when you're especially on the bikes when you're really going to 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 make a change. The adventure bikes. Where, you know, for me, a lot of people, you know, they want lower seats, but I want, I want taller seats because I'm, you know, short legs and I don't really ride with my feet on the ground. The, some of the comfort stuff is, uh, is amazing. The different covers, you know, the, and then let alone the different looks like every once in a while, I see some of the custom stuff that pops up and, you know, that, that people are saying, Hey, thanks for helping me with this vintage one or this, this, uh, really cool, um, you know, design to match their, match the graphics. So. Well, cool. Well, right on. Appreciate it, man. I love talking with you guys. So I just got, to, I got to figure out what I'm going to do next to, to get back on. So <laughs> win some, yeah. Win some vintage championships. We'll talk about vintage bikes and I have a whole lot to say on that subject. <laughs> so right on Linden, we right, will uh, see you out the trail Wait. for everybody else. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we will uh, come right back with uh, maybe some electric bike talk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cheers. What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. What is the Taco Touch? It's the best service in the industry. Virtually 24-7 tech support via email or text. And it's like having a dirt bike doctor on call every day of the year, helping you fix your bike or recommend parts or setups for you. If you've ever received an order from us, you know that the Taco Touch extends to our fulfillment and our orders come with the coolest stickers that you've ever had, uh, buying parts from anybody before, and a handful of root beer barrel candies. Um, All of our Taco Moto Co. branded components come with a no questions asked lifetime warranty. 
and we'll even extend out the warranty of other manufacturers, OEM and aftermarket parts where we can, sometimes for life. We test and tune endlessly and exhaustively and obsessively. We're trying to destroy everything that we can before you get your hands on it to look for weaknesses and to improve it or to make recommendations to the manufacturer. And if it's something that doesn't uh, meet grade, then we don't offer it on the store. Everything that we carry is something that we have personally used, tested, and ridden, and raced, and knows meets the, the high taco touch demanding standard. Go out and get some adventure. Welcome back to Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. This is the show where we answer your motorcycle and motorcycle-related questions. This is episode number 173, although we have no idea when you are going to get to see this like rebroadcasted. You can see it live right now on our normal channels. Just so you know, if you ever have questions, comments, concerns, you want to put them, put them in the comments of wherever you're watching this. We check those things out. If you have a good question, we grab it, put it back into the show, answer it on the next, next episode, whatever it is. So uh, that's how to get in touch with us. This show would not be possible to hope of some of our sponsors. Of course, Yamaha. Do we have Yamaha ads reads yet? No, but actually we just heard from them today. We're so getting them. Some updates on that in the future. The Yamaha Tenere 700 is currently my favorite adventure bike uh, by far and away. Mm-hmm. I, I, I rode it again. I had my first big, uh, big, uh, I want to call it a crash. Okay. Uh, yeah, on my ride back to California, I did something really stupid. I mm-hmm. sat there and looked at it, said, that's stupid. I was fully loaded up. You know, I had lots of stuff on the bike. And yeah. I said, ah, it, it would have saved me 40 miles to ride off this cliff. So I rode off this cliff. And it went exactly like what you would expect when you ride off a cliff. With, with an adventure bike. With an adventure bike. Takamoto, uh, they typically sponsor Rooster Endo. And I don't know, maybe we'll see if we get to Rooster Endo. Probably not. Probably not. In yes, this- not in this segment. We'll talk to Andy about electric bikes. So on the line with us mm-hmm. is Andy from Dirt First Racing. If you've been watching our channel over there on Dirt Bike Test, you saw Trevor and what was the name of the kid? Andy, Jet Lessing. The name of the kid who, Jet Lessing. Jet. Uh, we're ripping around on an electric super mini. And this is a bike. This is a creation that you have. There's obviously a few of them sitting behind you. And we are going to talk about that because I have some questions. I'm sure some of our viewers have questions. And since I get uh, beat up on all the time, especially uh, currently I'm getting beat up on by KTM because they say, what did they say? I don't, I said it in the video. I oh, they, they said that you're just closed-minded or you're I'm set closed, in your ways. I'm closed-minded and set in my ways <laughs> and not, uh, not accepting of uh, electric bikes. So, uh, so, so with that, Andy, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what your background is and, uh, what led you to this little project? Uh, well, I've, I've been riding all my life. I, I started racing when I was a teenager on the East coast and, uh, I, I did 10 seasons of the GNCC series and a couple other series on the East coast, like the ECA Enduros and the OMA nationals. And then I got a ride uh, with the team in Baja. So I, I moved to California and raced the score series for six years and uh, did some best in the desert and national hare and hounds and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Got a pretty well-rounded uh, experience as far as racing different types of uh, so events. Quick, 
quick question. Are you familiar with the uh, the good club with a bad name? Good from being club. from back east. Good uh, club fuck with you, the- racing. <laughs> so it's my it's my good buddy Jerry Bernardo's little uh, clan of misfits. You just have to have a sticker, and then you're in the club. Huh. Uh, they were yeah, they were mostly doing the uh, back back in yeah, the, the three wheeler days in the eighties. We had the shit and get club. That was like our little <laughs> our little club. So, so these guys started in the hair scrambles of uh, Massachusetts and uh, a bunch of mass holes and. Uh, so they've, they've spread, it's worldwide now. So, so, uh, okay. So you're out here racing Baja, um, doing some things. Yeah. Yeah. That's what got me out to California. And, um, I've, I've been out here for about 12 years and I had a shop back in Maryland doing race prep for mostly for GNCC guys. And, um, I kind of did the same thing when I moved out here prepping bikes for, for Baja guys and mostly, uh, mostly ATV racing is what I did. But, um, you know, we did a lot of like, uh, pre-running on 450 X's and dirt bikes. So I'm kind of, uh, you know, equally, equally able on a bike and a quad, but, uh, the, the electric thing, the electric thing started for me back in the eighties is when I really started looking at what was what was out there for electric bikes and back then it was just like contraptions that people built with you know electric motors and car batteries and and, uh you know one of the things i thought about back in the 80s was putting together a baja bug that was electric that was like i was fascinated with that and but uh it, it never really just never really got in a position where i could spend the time to do it so, uh, but, uh, that, that's where my interest started in electric vehicles and I always kept an eye on it. And then, you know, within the last five or eight years, the bikes started getting good enough to where they were getting close, somewhat close to the gas bike. So that's when I really pulled do the you, trigger on getting an electric you, bike and, and setting it up. Yeah. Do you feel like they're there? Are electric bikes there yet? I mean, it, it depends, you know, like, uh, if you mean racing heads up against gas bikes on like the way the current races are set up, they're, they're not there. You know, there's nothing, you, you can't go buy a bike and, uh, and set it up and it's equal to a gas bike on, in a, right. And I think, I think race. there, I think there we agree. Um, and, and I've ridden, trying to think of the first the first electric bike i rode uh i don't i don't even remember the names of some of i rode some of those early things but then then there was um the uh oh what's the 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 san francisco uh base they're still there Uh, zero so zero and then there was there was a there's zero and there was one other one that were more we'll call them mobility you know, um, companies as far as, you know, they just build motorcycles cause it was, it was easy, you know, a lot of urban trans transportation, there was zero and there was one other one that was pretty big. And so, so, and then at, at that time you started, then there was a lot of the mini bike racing. We had a lot of electric mini bike racing. There's a few companies cause I know zero got involved with that. There was a company that made one that actually had a clutch and shifted. Uh, there was, 
there was four or five I know Eric Pinard put on at the at the mini moto. They actually put on an electric exhibition race and I, I did that as well. I don't even remember what the name of the bike I rode was. I think it was one of the ones that shifted. I was just a guy that showed up that would willing to ride anything. I've ridden the Alta, ridden the um the emotion, the trials bike. Right, right. And so quite a quite a you know, quite and then of course uh the KTM free ride E rode it a while back, like when they first came out. And then I just got done riding the current one and have ridden all this, lots of different versions or things like Surons or Segways or these, these other things. So have a fair amount of experience. I, I really, it was kind of funny when Trevor told me he was riding that bike. I'm like, Oh, I want to ride it. Cause I kind of want to ride one with a damn brake pedal. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, 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 uh, what led you down the path to build the KTM super mini electric bike? Well, I, I had uh, built a Zero a few years back, and uh, I, I started with a Zero DSR, like 2016 or 17. And, um, you know, my idea, like, pipe dream was to race, like, a, a Baja race, like maybe the San Felipe 250 or something on it, just to, you know, not to compete for a win, but just to finish, you know finish and just pull it off and say I did it kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I got the longest range zero they made it. it you know, it's like a 14, four main battery with a 3.6 additional battery where the tank usually sits. I mean, a thing weighs like 450 pounds, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I put CRF suspension and wheels on it and forks and had race tech build a rear shock and made it. So, I could race through the desert on it. And, uh, I, I didn't do Baja on it, but I, I did, uh, sign up for a national Heron hound and did like the, you know, the first loop, like the 40 mile loop on it in, in Lucerne. And so it, it how, did, what was, what was your range on that bike? Um, well, I did the 40 mile loop and, uh, at, you know, as fast as I could go on it, it was limited by the suspension because it weighed so much. Yeah. But, uh, you know, plenty of power, like 70 horsepower is what that DSR makes. So a lot of power is limited by suspension. I did a 40 mile, uh, lap and had, had like 70%. I burned up like 70% of the battery. Huh? So it'll probably do, it could probably do like 90, maybe 80 or 90 miles, just like hard trail riding. Huh? And then, and then, and then enter the KTM super mini. Yeah. And then that kind of got me going on electric bikes and, uh, you know, I was looking for the next project, you know, and, and, uh, I mean, the K the KTM has been out for years. Like I think the first production model was like in Europe, it was like 2012 or 13 or something. Yeah. So I believe I, I wrote it in 14. I, I knew about it and they, they made it like a, a, big battery improvement on it in 2018. So I just went ahead and, and bought one and figured I'd just see what I could do with it, you know? And I kind of like bought it for, bought it for my wife and, uh, <laughs> and she's, uh, she's like five foot two. So it was a little tall for her. So, um, I, I, you know, we were talking about like lowering the suspension internally to make it the right height for her. 
And uh, I, I thought instead of doing that, I would just put super mini wheels on it, smaller wheels, and that way I can keep the full suspension travel. And uh, so I, I put some small wheels on, and she rode it, and it worked great for her. So that's pretty much what sparked the whole super mini thing. With the and KTM. those we- those wheels those wheels are a pretty easy swap over, correct? Yeah, it's uh, the, the the hubs like the the free ride stock hubs and eighty five SX stock hubs are same exact part number. Like it, it's a direct swap. And then and then the, so with that, and this is my my literally one of my biggest complaints with that bike in particular is no rear brake pedal, and it's because they say it's for they say oh it's for motorcycle people, and I'm like okay where's the rear brake pedal? And they're like, well, uh, you're closed minded. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I don't like to pull my clutch in to use my brake, you know, cause there's nothing up there, uh, except for then now there's a brake lever and, and then they're like, well, that's from bicycle people. They're used to having their brakes up on the handlebars. I'm like, yeah, but they're on the other side. <laughs> so, so yeah, and I, I put, I put a pedal on it immediately because mainly because my wife was riding it and she, she has other bikes too. She rides like a 250X, CRF 250X. Um, and, you know, she switches off between the two bikes. So to, to go from using a pedal brake to a handbrake back and forth, there's always that little bit of like adjustment period. So uh, it, it was just, it just made sense to keep both her bikes the same and put a pedal on the free ride. All right. I'm fine until I get to, oh shit. When, as far as like, I can ride the free ride around as long as I'm thinking about it. The minute I come in a little bit hot and I need to use my rear brake to adjust where the, what the bike's doing, like basically yeah. my rear end's trying to pass me up and I'm wondering, well, should I pull the clutch in now? <laughs> so, you know, I got to fix this. Yeah. So, uh, and, and it's not, it's not just a bolt on thing, correct? Cause you, did you have to weld some tabs onto the frame or? It's, it's totally bolt on. It is in, totally bolt in on. In fact, it's all OEM KTM parts. All except for a little clip that holds the return spring for the brake pedal. That's the only part that is, isn't OEM, KTM parts. I wish they knew that because I asked them this. <laughs> they said they said you have to modify that. I asked KTM and they they told me. This is where we're going to get into like what you're told and what you know. I Because yeah. I said, can I get a rear brake? And I know I can't do it. You have to you know, bolt something. And I'm like, I've watched the video and I go, yeah, they were using the rear brake. And Trevor said, yeah, I think he modified it for it. So yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't think that they would change that, that frame and chassis because that chassis used to hold either a 252 stroke, which I had ridden this one or a 354 stroke gasoline engine yeah. uh, in the, in the free ride uh, platform. And those bikes had rear brakes. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's where formula, all the parts come from. from. All the parts are directly off, off of the, the 250R version of it for the rear brake. Huh? Yeah, that's that's the well. There, there goes there goes your fix. I didn't say anything about that in the video, did I? You had to modify it. I didn't get into it. I don't think you got into that. I think you just said you wish. Yeah, and, yeah. I wish there was a rear brake. And another thing, while we're talking about it, the the master cylinder brake line and caliper from a SXF 250 or 450. It, it bolts right on. Like after you after you put the pedal on from the free ride R model, the two right. stroke free ride. After you put the pedal and the and the master cylinder mount off of that bike on the free ride, then 
SXF Brembo's bolt right on. I had all that stuff sitting in the garage. I could have done that. Yeah. <laughs> all I had to do is get a brake pedal. Well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so on this bike, uh, so what, what are, what are you currently doing with it? What has been done with it? Uh, as far as, uh, racing, race, we're doing race, it? racing. Yep. Um, well, I, I started out like, uh, you know, I got a buddy of mine, his, his son, um, was, you know, like 14 year old motocross racer. So he, he offered to ride it and test it. So we started with a totally stock bike and just, he just took it out and beat on it and just see what broke and, you know, what we needed to work on and suspension and all that. So we spent about a good six months just going to like LACR and out in the desert and Gorman and just, you know, just putting time on it and seeing what, you know, it's kind of an unknown quantity that we were dealing with. So um, we just put time on it and broke, basically. And uh, once we got it to where it was reliable and the suspension worked pretty good and we could go to a motocross track and, you know, weren't getting jumped on, then, uh, then the first thing I did was enter a uh, National Heron Hound. We got... Um, I talked to somebody at, at AMA in Ohio and uh, about it because, you know, uh, Michna from NHHA, he, he, yep. he, he, you know, he was kind of reluctant to let it run in those races. And I wanted to do it legit. I didn't want to just show up and enter. So uh, I ended up talking to somebody at, at, at AMA and uh, they, they, they have like a trail rider class at the Heron Hounds where you can run anything. It's, it's mainly for beginners, I guess, but, yep. um, but they let us enter that cause it's not a points paying class. And we were able to line up on the row with the super minis so we could gauge directly the performance of the free ride against the gas super minis. So right. we, uh, we did two of those races and had pretty good results and found the limits on uh you know it's an hour and a half youth race so we were doing like multiple battery swaps during the race like uh you know we, we did like five battery swaps in an hour and a wow. half race because uh, it because i was able to get if i rode it in mode three and i suspect now you're, you're not doing any engine or powertrain modifications correct the whole powertrain and battery is completely stock so you're running, so you're probably running it in mode three the whole time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause I didn't notice a big difference between mode and two mode two and three, uh, in, in range. Cause basically when I was riding, we're out here in the desert and, and, and I was riding it at, like, I would say 20 to 30 miles an hour all the time. And I could get, what was it? 20, it was about 25 miles. What were we getting? 25 to 30 miles. Yeah, 25 to 30 miles pretty consistently. I did it when it was, you know, 100 and something degrees out. I did it when it was 30 degrees out. And the only thing is when it was 30 degrees out, it, it didn't, the battery didn't like to be super cold. Uh, it kind of, it did some sort of a fault thing where it seemed like it had to, had to warm up and then you had to shut it off, you know, cycle the key huh. and get it, get it going. But, uh, so I'm thinking like in an hour and a half, how, I mean, how fast were they? Cause they're probably doing like 20, 25 miles an hour average in those kind of races. 
Uh, I, I don't know what the average mile per hour was. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I, I know it was like around the seven or eight mile loop. Is what we were doing. And you would in, and you would have to change the battery after one loop, or you get two. No, nah, we did after after one loop just to. I, I didn't. It was too close. Like it was taking a chance, you know, of of uh, running out of juice if you tried to go two laps. Like if you had an issue or got lost or something crazy, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was trying. So, I was trying to think. I took. We took it over to our sand track, and I tried to. I literally tried to just milk the thing for everything it was worth. And I think I was still like close to 20. I mean, I think I came back at 16 and it was down in the, like in the, it was, it was like, it wasn't on the greens anymore. I already, it goes greens, mm-hmm. then yellow, then red, and then blinking red. Mm-hmm. There's like a whole thing. And you, you, you technically don't want to get it down into the red at all, like for battery longevity. Is this kind of right. correct from what you know? Yeah. You don't want to run it. I would say below, below 10, below 10%. Yeah. Cause I, I, I ran it till it went into, you know, just to do it. I ran it till it went into full on limp mode. Right. It would barely get out of its own way. I was just out in front of the house, like doing acceleration runs, you know, back and forth. Just, just, I wanted to see, does it ever really die? And it got to the point where it was on the blinking red thing. And I'm like, it's told me now for 15 miles, I should stop. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was a long time. I think I got 36 or 37 miles. In the first half of it, I was really kind of like screwing it on, riding around pretty fast. So I always, I was, I, I would call it satisfied with the, but that surprises me that you had to, that you had to change the batteries that, that quick. Yeah. And at our, our like desert practice loop, um, we, we get about 11 miles out of a battery. No. Yeah. So Lots of hills? You no, know, nah, it's basically flat, just whoops, hmm. whooped out sand. Yeah. But that's, that's with like, you know, the, the kids I have riding them are up and coming pro riders. I mean, they're pro yeah, motor, they're motocross ri- riders in, in the making. So they're, they're, they're riding it really hard. Did, and then was you, do you, you had five batteries or did you, were you going back and charging the battery? Uh, I, I have three batteries. So okay. we, you know, we were taking a battery out and immediately putting on charge, but you know that that you get an issue there where the the battery can't be too hot or it won't even start to charge it. It, it yeah. has some kind of protection built in where the charger won't even start charging it if the battery is at too high of a temperature. So that's right. You know, one of one of the things we found out that you know you wouldn't find out any other way. You know, yeah, so it's all all yeah. part of the, the testing process. You know. Yeah, because I, I mean, it, like when you're talking, okay, like 11, 12 miles and stuff like that, that's going to be, that's kind of a hard sell for someone that, that like wants to get racing and hence going back to like, I don't know if these things are just really ready for prime time yet, you know, in the grand, <clears throat> grand scheme of things. But I, I'll tell you, you know, when you, when you listen to, and we'll, we'll talk Stark Varg in a few minutes. Uh, I heard, I, so you, you still have your deposit out with Alta? Yeah. It hasn't been returned I'm- yet? I'm going to wait till I get my deposit back from Alta before I uh, put it down on a, on a stark bard. Yeah. So, so, and, 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 uh, Hey, it, it, it's like when I heard when, when they came out with all their stuff, you know, it said 80 horsepower. I'm like, it's no problem. That can be done. One hour battery charging. Mm, 
maybe in a year or two, we might be able to have that figured out. Cause I knew, I know there's some battery materials and stuff that are coming out that are going to be different, allow some of this stuff, but all these things, it's just like not, not really ready. And then, and then when they had their, their pre-sale or whatever, and then and they sold so many, I'm like, okay, now how are they going to produce this? Cause you can't just flip a switch and say, I need 15,000 sets of Kaaba suspension. That doesn't come. That's a three to five year process. <laughs> so, so a lot of these things kind of, to me, was like, well, there, there's a lot of talk, but now show me you charge it in one hour. <laughs> this is the first, I, I want to see this. And even when the journalists went over there, they didn't get to see the bikes being charged. This was a, this was kind of a mystery. So um, some of the, some of the things you, you hear and, and, and see, um, I'm, I, like I said, I'm, it's coming, but not, not sure where everything's at. Yeah. I mean, I, believe me, I, I hope that it's a success. I hope they hit all their marks and it's a big success, but I, I really kind of have my doubts on, on a lot of the, a lot of aspects of, of what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Well, and re- really like- that, that press intro they had, that it really wasn't a good indicator that things were going smooth because, um, you know, like you no, said, it was, it, it was, they, it was they damage, you know, a I little bit see, of damage control in that, in that they, they kind of like just about the time everybody's going, Hey, what's up? I want my money back. It's like, Oh, Hey, we're doing a press intro. And then, and then just last week, all of a sudden they're parading some bikes around the United States. They're taking them to the dealers that have made big pre-orders or have pre-orders assigned to them. However, this works. So they you know, all of a sudden it's like, it's like kind of a sort of a stop gap. And they're like, yeah, we'll have them ready in um, uh, November. You know, they said they were going to be here in March and it's like, okay, well, Hey, look, there's, here's actually a bike, <laughs> you know? So they're, they're going through these things. And when, when you look at what they, you know, when they talk about yeah, having a silent motocross bike is insane. That's really cool. It's, it's maybe not what a lot of people say they want, but if you have a silent motocross bike, you can have a motocross track right next to someone's house. And all you're going to hear is, zzz, 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 and it's not going to bother anybody. And we're going to have more places to ride. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, electric, and you can probably vouch for this for the most part, not a lot of maintenance, not a lot of rebuilds, just plug and, you know, plug and play. If you keep your battery, uh, tuned up. Yeah. I, I was on uh, YouTube and I saw somebody made a video of like, 10, 10 top reasons why uh, two strokes are better than four strokes. And I, and I got to thinking, you know, I'm going <laughs> to make up my top 10 list of things why electric bikes are better than gas bikes. That's a million view video. Why didn't I think of that, Matt? Because <laughs> uh, we were too busy thinking about how to make the show better. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, you have to just plug it in first. That's, that's I mean, plug the show in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not a, and I'm not a, I'm not an anti-electric bike guy. And Honda, believe it or not, Honda just showed their electric CRF again in uh, in at the Tokyo show just recently. So that has popped back up. And you know, Yamaha has partnered with some companies to have an have an electric motor put into some of their chassis and stuff. And this is stuff that Yamaha, especially over in Europe, does. They will, you know, whether they're selling a a motor package, a powertrain package to a manufacturer or they're, you know, co-oping on certain things. So I, it, I don't know. And then, you know, KTM 
KTM's building. I mean, they're they're and I I believe that they're doing it the right way. They're starting, you know, they've got the kids in the supercrosses race around in those electric 50s. The best electric bike I've ever ridden, eh, Alta was good, but was an Oset, a little Oset kids bike. I always said that's the best electric bike made because the battery lasted longer than the kids attention span. You, you know, you hardly had to do anything to it. You just plug it in and let the kid ride around. And, uh, and it taught them really good trials, the uh, uh, throttle control, cause they were a little bit snappy and, and this it's, it's, uh, it's coming. It's, there's no doubt that this is coming. It's just, you know, when yeah, and I, how, and I think that touches on one of the things that Stark got wrong. They, they went straight for the 450 class. Um, I, I think it would have been a much wiser decision to start with like a 65 or an 85, build those, get a few of those out and build on the, the experience of the technology involved and translate that into developing the bigger bikes. I mean, they went straight for like these diehard uh, gas bike guys that have it ingrained, you know, that have grown up around two strokes and four strokes and getting, getting those guys to change, is going to be tough. But I, I think you know? I think there's enough there's enough of them quantity wise that are open minded that w- are willing to take the challenge, and that's why they had to say eighty horsepower. Although you know they say, oh, it's eighty, but we're really going to release it at sixty. You know, and there there's all these different things that that come. But I, you know, the electric motors make a lot of torque, and even in the early days, you know, like I said, those zeros and stuff, they had no problem making torque, but in the beginning it was bicycle guys trying to understand what a throttle did on a motorcycle guys had never ridden a motorcycle. So it was sort of like on off, you know, the original power controls are on off. And I'll tell you, that's the one thing with that KTM they've done a really good job with is just the, the, you know, the throttle working like a throttle. So the, so the power controller, what do you, what do you, what would you, what do you call the, what do you call the uh, unit? power controller? Uh, yeah. The motor controller. controller motor controller so the motor controller now working like you know like a throttle and with a certain amount of because there's definitely traction control built in that 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 bike knows when it starts spinning too much and it and it tames the the power delivery for instance like if you get it in sand and you try to take off in sand real deep sand it gets a little bit confused you know but it's amazing when you park it on a hill and you know a steep hill and then you go to roll it back on the way that it just rolls the wheel and take it doesn't spin it up and light it up this is like what the old like alta on level four would do like you touch the throttle it starts spinning and yeah and and, uh on like motocross starts it's almost like you have you have to like be in, in like an almost power brake kind of situation like you give it some gas holding the front brake until you feel the the back of the bike kind of start to rise up and that that's like where you want to be when the gate drops. It's, it's just a, a totally different way of starting on a motocross gate. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you have no transmission on most of these bikes. I hear there's some, I know the electric motion trials bike has a transmission and a clutch, but on the, on this, on the KTM, there's no, and I, and I, I'm under the impression, like we said, talked about, talked about, they're going right. They're going, you know, they have the fifties, and I know they're working on 65 and 80, but I guess there's, you know, with all these controller issues and supplies, there's there's a supply chain problem. And I heard they're also going from high voltage, which the KTM Freeride E is, 
down to a lower voltage platform on 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 the other bikes just to make it easier to have options for charging and and i think there's a lot more technology out there with with uh that you know the lower voltage type um charging and stuff and were you were you able to charge you said you were able to charge the batteries out in the field were you using a generator to do this yeah we use like uh we just use a gas generator but right. mo- most of the time, like uh, if I'm just going to the track with one rider and one bike, uh, you know, three batteries is enough to get through a day. And yeah. most most of the time, the the kids that are riding my bikes, um, they they have their gas bike too. Like they ride like a 125 or, or an 85, so it's not they're not riding the free ride all day long. So it, it works yeah, out they, good. They... Yeah, they told us absolutely do not. <laughs> they said do not put it on a. Yeah, they were very clear about that on a generator. They just didn't want us to run that charger on a generator. Don't know why. Probably, you know, if yeah, the I mean, generator's I, not I, I healthy try, or something. I try not to, but uh, it, it's just sometimes you don't have a choice. You know, if you want to ride, right? That's what you got to do. And hence, and hence, one of the 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 downfalls. I mean, it's just like if all of a sudden we switched over to natural gas, like where are you going to go to the natural gas gas station or you know propane? You know, it's just not it's not easy. The simplicity of gasoline is yet to you know the power density of it and the ease of transport and stuff is just yes right. yet to be yet to be matched. But uh, so where where do you where do you see this where do you see this going? What do you think's what do you think's next? Um, as far as the the free rides or yeah the yeah the free rides specifically the electric bikes you, that you're doing because you guys you guys are building these you're doing like a you're doing like a kit you'll build a kit bike for somebody if they're looking for this right right yeah and, i mean you know, I'm, that I'm gonna specifically keep, uh, or what's next i'm gonna keep on working with the same platform and um you know there's a few things we're still working on to make them better I really don't want to change anything with the powertrain on it. Uh, I think it's kind of like a, like a spec class kind of deal where, you know, it, it might be, I mean, it would be good racing if everybody had the same drivetrain and it was all about yeah. setting up the suspension and the bike, you know, it, it would make for good racing. So I'm kind of, Sticking with that, I've got uh, I got two of the bikes set up now and two riders, so we're um, you know hitting motocross races heavy. We're going to be doing uh, that Paris uh, Friday Night Lights series that uh, right. Kyle Lewis is, is co-sponsoring, and right. um, and tr- just got try to get some interest in it and. You know, if nothing else, you know, there'll be some kids out there that'll have electric bike experience from riding my free rides. So when the Stark or some other big electric bike comes out, then they'll be ready for it. Right. And is is there is there any interest from KTM? I, I haven't heard anything from KTM. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, you think it'd be a good good platform to expose. I mean, I know they've got they you know they've got stuff in the pipe, and they haven't shown anything like quote big bike wise yet. Uh, like I said, Honda has a little bit, Yamaha, and you know Kawasaki's constantly talking about doing stuff. And now most of the manufacturers have some sort of we'll call it fifty cc sized you know electric toy bike kind of thing. Honda 
kind of sub leases it out. Uh, Kawasaki is doing something more on the Strider bike side of things, but um, you know, with a lot of the, you know, a lot of these companies where they're making these courts, we'll call them like green initiatives, zero emissions initiatives. They're kind of forced into doing it. A lot of this is on the on-road side, but I kind of suspect that they're going to start dabbling in off-road as well. So, but if you're, if anybody's interested in watching this, we have a couple of videos up and uh, on the, uh, on the free ride E different, uh, you know, one's the full it's a, a dirt first racing's you know full mini bike build. Uh, Trevor Trevor is actually the right size for uh, your bike. Did you notice? Yeah, this? he he looked good on it. Like it was proportionate. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Mean, and and yeah. and obviously you 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 put it you put a four fifty underneath the kit and just yard sales. So we need to maybe you know, tone it down. I know he's, I know he's looking for some help and, uh, you know, best in the desert stuff, you know, I mean, maybe this is, maybe this is probably the, that way the donkeys can outrun them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, the, the two kids I got running, um, the free ride in that, uh, Paris MX series, they're, they're 18 years old, so they're not even super mini age. So we're, we're running the right. bikes in, in the one twenty five class. Oh, wow. Yeah. And because because here's here's what I said like if people ask me like how fast is it? I go it's a 125 to third gear like if you took off on the on the free ride and you gas it to me it feels like a 125 you go first second third and then when you would go to shift to fourth that's where the free ride sort of stops it doesn't it doesn't keep pulling but from that to that point you know it feels like it it feels like it pulls pretty good and it and it goes so yeah it'd be, it, I mean. As far as fun goes, you don't need the noise. I mean, the noise, once you kind of get over the fact that it doesn't have the noise, you're just ripping around and doing all the stuff you kind of want. And and my other thing I've said about the electric bikes is I think they're great if you have a buddy that has one, preferably two buddies that have them. And then you're, then you can kind of, then you're, you're game on and you're kind of doing stuff. So um, that's where, that's where I'm kind of sitting. So any, yeah, any, we're, any we're, other... We're trying to do that, like expand on that by running two riders at the motocross races, just so they can kind of like dice it out amongst themselves, not so much against the gas bikes, but just, you know, see who's, who's going to be fastest on the, on the free ride. Yeah. Well, cool. One of these days, maybe hopefully I'm out at the track when you're out at the track and I can rip some laps on one of those things. Yeah, sure. uh, You're more than welcome. Yeah. Any, any shots? Where do we, where do we follow, find you, uh, keep up with you, Andy? Uh, I've been hitting Instagram real heavy. There's, uh, the dirt first racing on Instagram, uh, dirt first racing website has full info and, uh, complete breakdown on, on the bikes with spec sheets and, um, some, some build photos and that kind of thing. And that's probably the two best places to look for info. Well, cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, we will definitely keep in touch. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's that's Andy from Dirt First Racing. Matt, you, 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 that might be your level of a bike. I think, I think that, you know, you look for motocross at least. Motocross. Yeah. Get you. (laughs) Yeah. Keep you, keep you safe on the, keep you safe on the track. So, Okay, so we're gonna roll into uh, what do we got? We got it. Do we have a couple questions from yeah. last week here? Uh, okay, so we're we're done. So we're yeah, done. we'll say see you, Andy. We'll catch you out in the trail. All right, and that'll be the end of. The-
Thanks. And we're gonna we're gonna kind of roll on here with a couple of our questions. Uh, would be remiss without mentioning all of our sponsors. Like to thank Yamaha, Takamoto, Scott Sports, and the Amplified Goggle Lens. Uh, loving mm-hmm. it in these mixed conditions we're having with clouds and rain, and sometimes darkness sets in. Uh, climb, layer up with climb. That's all I can say. I'm super comfortable with them riding. And the inversion glove, if you have fingers that are prone to frostbite and freezing, uh, the inversion windstopper glove is your best friend. DDC, Trail Tech, Fast Company, Seat Concepts. Thanks to Lyndon for coming on, talking about Moto Fitness. Mm -hmm. Bulletproof Designs, they have lots of new stuff for the 2023s. Actually, so does Seat Concepts, like Lyndon was telling us. And... Of course, double take mirrors. If you need a mirror, a mirror that works on your dual sport or adventure bike, check out double take. Hit me up for a little coupon code if you're interested in getting a discount. Uh, I run them on pretty much every single one of my bikes when I need to have mirrors and I use them to shave, which I don't do very often. So it's beard season for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, these are the questions here. Yep. Do you Do you have them? Do you want to read them? Yeah, let me, let me read them to you. I'll hear I got them. Right you got it right there? Yeah. Okay. I have technology. Do you actually pluck some questions off the chat? We can get to those. Let's let's uh, let's uh, grab those ones in the chat first, I think. All right. So this one was from Sean Elliott when we had Lyndon on it. was, yep. uh, why doesn't Dakar fuel stops use water removal, use a water removal funnel slash filter when filling Dakar bikes and equipment? Uh, because generally out in the middle of the desert, like any gas is good gas. Mm-hmm. And who knows how long the gas has been sitting in those drums. And especially when you're having rainstorms, how, who knows how tight, tight the barrel, the top of the drum was sealed. And if you notice if a drum's sitting someplace, it, it pools up with water on top. And how come they don't use water filters? Time, effort, like money, money. I, I mean, it's mo- probably, I mean, those filters aren't really that expensive yeah, to do yeah. it. Uh, you just kind of have to be, you know, as a, as a rider, you have to kind of be aware of this all the time. Uh, when I rode BMW, my float bowl, which was out, two of them, came off with a clip. I went unclip, took the float bowl, went like this, put it back on, clipped it back on. I loved it when we got water in the gas. Loved it. Because <laughs> I would just do that and take mm-hmm. a minute to drain out the drain out the water, and the KTM guys would have to take their gas tanks off. Oh man. <laughs> and it happened. Yeah. Unfortunately, when I was racing, it only happened in transfer sections. I wished it would happen during a stage, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, this has been a long time known issue. Um, the bikes for a while, you know, like I said, KTM got smart and they put a drain on the very bottom of the gas tank. Cause that's where the water goes. It goes all down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. If it stays splashed up and suspended, the bike will still run. Not very well, but it'll still run. But when it pools up, then it just completely cuts off, cuts out. Yes. Yep. So, Okay, so you had another question, which was, what are your recommendations for fuel injection systems? Uh, Gulotech filters or other water removal filters, uh, do you stuff in your tank? Gulotech. So it's a Gulotech, and uh, I have the filter that I just put on the end of the the, um, pour spout on the gas can. And if I feel like there's water in the gas, I run it through that. I will tell you that the good thing, so water usually goes to the bottom. So if you're careful about pouring it out, you can usually leave it in the container. 
And but if you're using like a siphon funnel or something like that, and it's getting shook up, it's going to work its way into your gas tank. So so you don't necessarily need it. The other thing is ethanol carries the water. So the water will get absorbed into the gas with ethanol in it, and then it will transport that water into the gas tank. And then as it warms, cools, I don't know. I think, I think when it cools down, it loses, it, it goes out of suspension mm-hmm. and it can, and it can fall out. So if you shake it up, sometimes that gas can pass through. I think the Google Tech filter will filter out a lot of the water that is actually in suspension in the, in the gas, uh, so that's an that's an option if you're getting kind of suspect gas, and I mean if you're really concerned about it, you could always like slap one of those things over the the hose filler when they went to fill your bike in the Dakar. Mm-hmm. So, okay, another question from the chat from before. Husky Holler was asking, would raising the forks up in the triple clamps increase front end traction? Raising the forks up, so you're putting, so you're, so you're, so you're, so you're you know. Yeah, sliding up. So you're you're lowering the you're lowering the front of the motorcycle down. So yes, um, it can. It can also make it worse because it it also changes the geometry to a certain extent. So mm-hmm. this is this is where you're kind of going down a uh, you're 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 going down a path. You're you're kind of deciding what you want to what you want to do with your bike's handling and. And I don't know necessarily know if uh, I mean I used to move the forks a lot, and I've slowly, slowly, not slowly. I I kind of about five or six years ago I went away from it because with the with the the with them getting the chassis tuned a lot better, you know, the rigidity, the torsional and the lateral rigidity in the chassis, it seems like that that moving the forks is pretty dramatic. Like, you know, we're talking one or two millimeters can make a pretty big difference. Mm-hmm. I would much rather use the rear of the bike, use the use the suspension, whether it's shock preload or high-speed compression on the shock to, to do that adjustment, to, to, make, to make that. It seems like the bike just res- they respond better that way. Not to say that it doesn't work, um, but it's always worth trying. So... It's, it's not a, it's, and just like sometimes, you know, like I said, putting, he asks if it puts more weight on the front wheel, it does, but does that get you more traction? It kind of depends on how you're riding the bike. Cause the reason you you're losing traction on the front wheel might be because you already have too much weight on it and that's going to put more. Mm-hmm. So, um, and like even a few shows ago, somebody asked about checking front fork sag, I think. I answered that question someplace, but they were checking why. Why don't we check front fork sag? And it's like, yeah. well, if your bike's kind of kind of balanced, you don't necessarily need to. But there's ways to measure it. You know, it's just hard. You know, when people, I see people check the balance of the motorcycle, and they do it with the front brake on or the front brake off. Are they standing on the foot pegs? Somebody balancing it. There's all these different ways that that you do it. And in reality, I just get the the sag in the. You know, I set the sag where the manufacturer wants it. And then when I go to, hey, this bike is unbalanced, I use the rear of the bike to adjust it. And at that point, I'm not too worried about the measurement anymore. I'm just making the adjustment to get what I want. And you can do the same thing with the front. You know, you can move it up or down. Uh, some of these bikes have uh, externally adjustable spring preload. Um, changing the air pressure ever so slightly can adjust the the ride height if you have air forks. So lots of, lots of options. Mm-hmm. 
And and I mean, in reality, you know, you slide the forks up, it it's it's a permanent change. Unlike you know, like if you you know, you imagine that 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 front fork is constantly moving, so it's in it's it's always in different things. So you know, sometimes just clicking the adjusters can accomplish the same thing during certain times, not full time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Uh, I think that's actually it for the questions from the chat. I okay. think you guys were actually cr- uh, getting to them after I had to uh, go take care of something else. Uh, so Dave Donnelly in the chat right now just asked, last week someone had mentioned removing the crossbars on, on the bars to get more flex. Is this safe to do and does it work? Thanks, guys. Um, what what bars did your the bike that you sold him have? Uh, a crossbar. I think it was the Renthal twi- Twin Wall. Twin Walls? Yeah. Yeah. Take the crossbar off of that <laughs> if you want some flex. Um, so certain bars have certain characteristics. And I think that the certain bars need the crossbar or they a flex too much or they can break. Mm-hmm. And there's other bars where you can take it off and you don't know any difference. And I, I even know on like some riders with the twin wall renthals, they, have a crossbar in there, but it's cut. It's just holding the pad. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's really, there's, there's nothing in there. So it all kind of depends on what you're searching for and the strength of the bar that you're willing to do it. I would rather do, you know, go, I mean, handle, handlebars, you don't want to be messing around with, uh, with stuff. Cause if you, if you're, if you're taking something out, that's, that's designed to reduce flex, Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, who knows whether that flex is too much. That's why I run flex bars. Fast company, makers of flex bars here in the United States, American made. They're the reason I can ride day after day with my nice, wimpy wrists. Flex bars Mm -hmm. for old dudes that are, especially if you're in the uh, old guys moto fitness group. And actually they were talking, some guys were talking about some aches and pains. And I saw, I didn't even have to do it. Other people recommended flex bars. Made in Utah. Enjoy the flex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Any others? Uh, what does Colin Bowman want to know? So Colin was asking, hi, Jimmy slash DBT. I have a podcast question. I thought he was just saying he has a podcast. Yep. <laughs> so does everybody else, buddy. Can you compare slash contrast the Husky 701 Enduro with the T7? I'm trying to decide between the two. The no se- comparison. Yamaha sponsors this show. The Tenere 700 is, <laughs> you don't have to, you don't even have to go any farther. The Yamaha Tenere 700 is the best bike, adventure bike in the world ever. And you know how you know? Because you can't get one because they're all sold out. Mm. But supply's coming back. So just go to your Yamaha dealer. Uh, visit yamahamotorsports.com to find out all your inf- information. Find a dealer near you. Um, tell them Jimmy sent you. I saw that somebody told me the Tenere 700 video series that I'm doing, my vlog, mm-hmm. as they call it, is uh, costing them a lot of money because they need A, a Tenere, and then B, all the things that I've done to mine. So, right. okay, keep well, going. I'll let you okay, go. Okay. So the 701 with an aftermarket seat and a rally fairing seems like a lighter, higher spec T7 on paper. I think everyone would probably prefer the Husky when the pavement ends, but would the rally fared Husky be comfortable crossing a state or two on the freeway at 75? Thanks. So you're dealing with bikes that are 700 cc's or less. So they're, they're never going to be good at crossing a high, a state on the highway compared to larger bikes. You know, when you go up to, you know, eight fifty thousand 
1200 all this stuff. The, mm-hmm. the bigger just makes it go better on the street. And the, probably the biggest disadvantage to the smaller bikes like this is to go the same speed, you're kind of twisting the throttle and you're getting you're getting a little higher in that efficiency so they start eating gas. So your fuel economy on the smaller bikes tends to go down a little bit. But Tenere has an extra cylinder, bro. And that mm. extra cylinder, it just makes a little bit more power, a little smoother pull. I but I actually think that the the Husky might be a little bit more fuel efficient. Uh-huh. Um, they're they're notoriously notoriously fuel efficient, but I have not spent that much time on a 690, 701, uh, whatever they call the gas gas mm-hmm. to to really find out what the the highway mileage is and how much I would be straining. I know like when I rode the KLR 650, which makes like half the horsepower of those bikes, I was getting pretty poor fuel mileage because I was always wanting to go 80, 90 miles an hour. And that Mm -hmm. meant wide open on that particular bike. And things aren't very efficient at wide open. You know, if you could be three quarters throttle or, you know, and once you're like half and above, just clicking it back ever so slightly, I can watch it because my Yamaha has the instant miles per gallon. Mm-hmm. on it and i can just turn my throttle like a millimeter back and it'll go up like four miles to the gallon so but no i i would and even going like on single track there there's no advantage to to having one or the other there's still big heavy adventure bikes that need to be treated with a certain amount of care and i, and I don't think that you're going to ride a husky any faster than you would a tenere um and I don't think the Husky would have crashed as good as I did on my Tenere when I was riding off a cliff. So, and by a cliff, I mean, it was a cliff that I actually rode off on, on purpose. And I went down and then if Jeff Emig were doing the announcing on the show, he would have said Huckabuck three times <laughs> by the time I got to the bottom where I did my pile driving. Right. Yeah. So Colin, um, don't blame me. I am one of the uh, KTM 701 Husky haters that whatever i guess that's just the way i am right right but i did like the one with that big giant gas tank that i heard they discontinued when the 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 e the long range the lr long Mm -hmm. range the 701 long range i was kind of surprised that that tank really helped that bike out yeah yeah okay Okay. so uh we'll just finish out this last one from dos boot uh, 956 and then we'll call it a show okay how come no one does tests on the fe 250 or the exc 250 it'd be a good bike they for, don't make them anymore that's kind of what i was thinking <laughs> but go ahead uh he's saying it, it, it'd be a good bike for a lot of new riders slash women slash people that just want a light bike tons out there for the 350 and 501 but virtually nothing for the 250s i like to buy my old lady one but there's not a lot of info available because those weren't around for very long were they dos boot okay we have to talk to you about your pronouns Riders, women, people, and old lady. Like, what about the men? Like, what about the men that want to ride a nice light 250? 250, yeah. So I have one. I have a, a 250 XC, and I have a 350 and 250. I mean, they are so identical because they are. They're they're literally. I mean, the motors the <laughs> motors are different, but they they look so identical. The 250 is just like a lower power version of that. Mm. And in all honesty, you can't feel the weight difference that much. There's that little bit of weight difference perception that the power gives you, but it's not that much. So I think KTM just said, they're the same bike. Let's just make one instead of two. 
Right, right. The pr- and, and production, I, production costs. Yeah, and I know in other countries there's licensing requirements that a 250 would slide underneath and all this stuff like that. But in reality, this two you, you could you you for your new rider women people and old ladies, uh, they could take the 350 and be just as happy with that as the 250. And if if it was a if it was an issue, I'm pretty sure you could put a really um like a really uh, mellow throttle pull. Mm-hmm. Of, of like a larger throttle wheel. So it just, I mean, a smaller diameter throttle pull. So it actually yeah, yeah. less rate of throttle pull and that would tone it down. And you could, you could leave the bike completely stock with the stock insert in the, in the back of the muffler and that would tame it down as well. Um, and I'm pretty sure you could also put a fuel tuner on an older 350 and then kind of richen it up a bit on the, on the lower in the mid and that will tone it down a bit as well. So yeah, they're 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 great bikes, but in reality, you could just get a 350 and have the same same thing. So I I think that's why. So yep, that's my answer. So Das Boot, like pick on the men, okay? Give us give us some names, mm-hmm. some men. Like we want to ride those bikes too. Okay, don't be so selective. Uh, Dave Donnelly, did you ever race a CZ? I asked because at the Meekum auction tomorrow they have a bunch of them for sale. Uh, no, I did not race a CZ. I've ridden a couple of them. And I don't want any more uh, motorcycles. <laughs> you think you have enough? And I don't want any vintage bikes. Like vintage bikes are fun to ride if it's somebody else's and I can ride it for a minute to realize how horrible they were. Generally, horrible in braking performance and horrible in handling and flex and suspension, all stuff. But they, man, those bikes make, some of those older bikes make some power in short bursts. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty, pretty, they, power was never a thing. So, we hit Jeremy Ortega? Uh, no, we haven't. So he's asking what's the best method for cleaning rims and tires that have moose tubes on them. Moose lube on them. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you're asking a guy who doesn't clean much. I just ride it. Uh, the best method for me to clean that is to take it out and ride it in uh, mud and sand, you know, where it's deep enough to, like, get over the rim. Mm-hmm. And then if you ride a lot in that, it'll kind of clean itself. And then when you pressure wash it, it's all gone. Uh, but as far as like cleaning it, like to wipe it down, uh, I, I just usually, I usually just wipe it off. If I, if it's really, if it's somehow it's, cause it's kind of, it's just slimy and it spreads. It's hard to get off. Like I'm trying to think of what kind of, cause I'll just spray it with like brake cleaner. Cause I do clean, like if I've, if I've been messy with my mousse installation, and I get lube on the on the uh, disc rotor. Mm-hmm. I I'm very diligent about cleaning it off because that's that's no no good there. Yeah. But usually on the rim, uh, not too much. Um, and so Chris Bowman is helping out here. Moose lube is an oil product? Question mark. Dish or hand soap should clean it off and be gentle on the aluminum. And that's what I was going to say is you're dealing with like an aluminum and sometimes these colored and anodized rims and stuff. So you got to be careful about what you're putting with it. So yeah. Um, for sure, uh, yeah, th- th- like a good uh, grease cutting. So it's a petroleum lubricant or it's silicone. So it depends on which brand and what what there is. You know, I know people use all different kinds. Some some of the moose lube people use is soap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they use a soap, an oil soap. Yeah. yeah. So you know, um, don't ride down the road fast because then it all spooges out, leaks out, and then somehow ends up on the rim. It's not mooses are not meant to be pretty. 
<laughs> in any way, shape, or form. They're meant so you don't get uh, tired. So thanks, Colin. Appreciate the appreciate the help there, Jeremy. Thanks for asking questions again. If you have questions for this show, leave them down in the comments, and we will get back to them. You can always uh, reach out by emails. We're not that hard to figure out on the emails things. Uh, check out our jimmylewisoffroad.com Learn to Ride series. Uh, support us on Amazon and Rocky Mountain ATV MC links. We get a small slice of that. It really does help out. You can support by telling a friend, subscribing, doing all that stuff. Actually, we, you know what I noticed? We don't have very many subscribers. Like, like I... There's way worse shows that have way more subscribers. So push that subscribe button, I guess. We got to grow. Or um, our sponsors tell us, you know, you don't have very many subscribers. Do you get that a lot, Matt? Not really. Not really? Yeah. They 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 know that we're doing a good job here. So yep. I appreciate it. Again, I can't appreciate enough. Double Take Mirrors, Bulletproof Designs, Seat Concepts, Fast Company, Trail Tech, DDC, Climb. I need to call Nate. I need to get some KTM 50 Tooth Rockets. Climb, uh, check out the hashtag climb, climb Life if you want to see people right now doing lots of crazy stuff on snow machines. Takamoto, Scott Sports, and of course, Yamaha, makers of the Yamaha T7, which uh, should be available in a dealership near you um, right after my vlog series is done and they sell out again. Mm -hmm. So, okay, Matt, hey, thanks a lot for producing this one. Yes, it was a slightly different time. Uh, if you're watching this and you said I, I commented and they didn't even talk about it because it was uh, it was a rerun, this may have been pre-recorded at an earlier date because uh, Jimmy had to go out and eat a plate of shrimp. So uh, with that, uh, we will uh, see you on the trail and cheers. <laughs>